Convicted and Convinced, a message from God's Word for you. And now, here's Dr. Dan Gerard. I read from Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, because here we are informed that after the resurrection, Christ showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of his followers forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. During this forty-day period, Jesus met often with his disciples, and he met with them to prepare them for what was about to happen and to equip them for their upcoming mission and the message that they were to share. At the conclusion of that 40-day period, we are provided a wonderful portrait in Luke chapter 24, verses 50 and 51. And Jesus led the disciples out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass that while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. All of heaven was waiting to welcome the Savior back home, to welcome the Christ to the celestial courts. And as Jesus ascended, and drew nearer and nearer and nearer, the heavenly host joined in acclamations of praise as recorded in Psalm 24, verses 7 through 10. And as I read this, I hope that you can almost hear now that band of escorting angels as they begin to lead that celestial song. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. And joyfully the awaiting sentinels responded with a question, who is this King of glory? And they didn't ask this question because they did not know who he was. But they ask this question because of their desire, their desire to hear the answer in exalted praise, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. And again, it's heard the question, who is this King of glory? And they're not asking that question because of anything except this. Those angels never got tired of hearing the name of Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so, those escorting angels reply back, the Lord of hosts, he is a king of glory. One of my favorite writers, 
described what happened then with words that I can identify with and words that cause a hallelujah to form in my heart and echo from my lips. The words are found in a work titled, The Desire of Ages, pages 833 through 835, and I'm just going to read a portion of the passage. Then the portals of the city of God were opened wide, and the angelic throng swept through the gates amid a burst of rapturous music. Songs of triumph mingle with the music from the angel harps till heaven with joy and love is conquered, the lost is found, and heaven rings with voices in lofty strains proclaiming blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Oh, what a hallelujah that should bring from your heart and my heart, from your lips and from my lips. You see, my brothers and sisters, just as the ascension of Christ provided joy and praise in heaven, the ascension of Christ can still provide joy and praise in your life and in my life because of some ascension assurances. And due to the time, I only want to focus on two of those assurances today. First of all, Christ's ascension assures us of his intercession in our behalf. Mark chapter 16 and verse 19. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto the disciples, he was received up into heaven and underscore and set on the right hand of God. This exalted position of honor and authority is the subject of several of the New Testament writers. Luke referred to it in the book of Acts. Paul referred to it in the books of Romans and Ephesians, Colossians, and Hebrews. Peter referred to it in the book of 1 Peter. And John referred to it in the book of Revelation. It was the Apostle Paul who was inspired to link the ascension of Christ and his sitting on the right hand of God the Father with the ministry of intercession that Christ delights to perform in your behalf and in my behalf. I want you to notice the link. It's found in Romans chapter 8 and verse 34. The question is asked, who is he that condemneth? Now, this verse has caused a quite bit of concern in the minds and hearts of some theologians, but I hope that those of you who know me know that we must take every text in the context that it's written in. And so, this question that opens verse 34 really needs to be linked with 
the previous verses. Because in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, we are told that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so to whom is this condemnation referring? It's referring to Satan. It's referring to the world. Because Satan delights to condemn you and to condemn me. The world takes great pleasure in condemning us. But God does not condemn us. Why? God does not condemn us because of Jesus the Christ. He continues, It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So again I ask, did you notice how, how Paul linked it all together in this verse? Praises to God. Christ's ministry of intercession was not limited. It was not confined just to those who lived in those early days of the apostles. But the intercession of ministry of Christ continues even today in your behalf and in my behalf. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Wherefore, Christ is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing, underscore, he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Aren't you thankful for the saving ministry of Jesus Christ? Aren't you thankful for the continual intercession that Christ makes on your behalf even at this very moment? I want us to go back to Romans chapter 8 and allow the joy and praise to swell within our hearts and within our minds as we read the assurance that we can claim and we can count on because of the ascension of Christ. In verse 34 that we looked at just a few moments ago, we are reminded that Jesus paid the full price for our sins. He paid that full price by shedding every drop of his precious blood on Calvary. And because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God does not condemn you and God does not condemn me. The Bible teaches we are now free from condemnation. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul adds reason after reason after reason for the assurance that you and I can have that there is nothing that will be able to separate us from the love of Christ. You see, it's not a dead, but a living Christ upon whom you and I can depend. It's not only a living Christ upon whom you and I can depend, but a Christ who has been enthroned in power and is now sitting at the right hand of Father God. 
not only a Christ who is enthroned in power, but it is a Christ who saves us and loves us and intercedes for us in an everlasting manner so that it doesn't matter what challenges you and I face in our lives and in our living, we know that if God be for us, who can be against us? And because of the ascension of Christ, with blessed assurance, you and I can claim, and we can count on verses 35 through 39, the question is asked, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And then the response resounds, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded. I have the assurance, Paul says, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. My friends, listen to me. Regardless of what you and I may encounter, it might be physical infirmities. It might be the death of a loved one. It might be financial disaster. It might be socially becoming an outcast. But regardless of what you and I may encounter on the journey of life and living, we have the blessed assurance that Jesus understands every challenge we go through. And the Bible resounds that you and I can claim with victory that Christ is able to supply all of our needs according to His riches and glory by Himself. Thank God for the ascension of our Lord. Second, Christ's ascension assures us of His second coming I read from Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. And when Jesus had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee... Why stand you gazing into heaven? Underscore, the same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. What a blessed assurance 
The proclamation is that Jesus shall. No question about it. No doubt. The proclamation is made that Jesus shall return for the family of God. And he shall return to take us home to heaven. You see, the second coming of Christ is definitely connected with his resurrection. The second coming of Christ is definitely connected to his ascension. And it is a promised event that you and I can claim. And by this promise, by this blessed assurance, we know that the return of Christ is going to be personal. We know that the return of Christ is going to be certain because this pledge made by those angelic messengers brings the doctrine of the second coming of Christ to a certainty that is assured based on the reality of his ascension. And it's very possible that as those angels spoke this blessed assurance, the minds and the hearts of those disciples remembered and reflected on the assurance Jesus gave as recorded in John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Oh, my friends, is your heart troubled today? Are you going through a period of depression? Are the things that are waiting heavy upon you? And Jesus is saying directly to you, as he said to those disciples thousands of years ago, let not your heart be troubled. And as if someone is about to ask, well, Jesus, I'm going through so much. Why should my heart not be troubled? I have the physical infirmities that are touching my life. I've lost a loved one. I'm going through financial disaster. I have been ostracized by society. Christ, why not my heart be troubled? Jesus says directly to you and to me as he said to those disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. Because in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you and underscore. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. <laughs> I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Oh, my brothers and sisters, one day, soon and very soon, Christ is going to return, and he's going to remove us from all of our physical infirmities. He's going to wipe the tears from every eye. Financial disasters will be no more. And social outcasts will become a thing of the past because we will be inducted into the society of heaven. What a wonderful promise God has given us. 
And did you notice the connection in this passage between the ascension, the going away, and the second coming of Jesus? What a blessed assurance. Jesus is coming again. I don't know when, but Jesus is coming again. It might be today, it might be tomorrow. I don't know the day, nor the hour, nor the year, but this I do know, Christ is coming again. And years later, John would write as recorded in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds. Do you remember how Christ left this earth and ascended back to the Father? The Bible says he left in a cloud. And those angelic messengers said that that Christ is going to return in the very same manner. And just as Christ left in the clouds, he's going to return in the clouds. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. I shout with lip and with life today, thank God that Christ ascended back to heaven, and thank God for the blessed assurance we have because of his assurance, uh, his ascension. The blessed assurance of his intercession. The assurance that if God be for us, who can be against us? The blessed assurance of his second coming. The assurance that soon and very soon, the king of glory is going to return. And when Christ returns, then you and I, if we are dead in Christ or if we are alive in Christ, when Jesus returns in the clouds of glory, we will ascend. We will ascend with Him and we will ascend with one another. And we will be welcomed into the glory of heaven, because there, Heavenly Father is waiting for your arrival and for my arrival. I want to be part of that ascension group, don't you? I don't want to miss it, because if I miss it, I have missed everything. Father, thank you for giving your Son that we might have life and we might have life more abundantly and everlasting. Dr. Dan Gerard is the pastor of University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. 
You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org, or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.